Years ago, the Toronto Sun published a list of quotations from people who had been involved in traffic accidents. Listen to how the drivers divert the fault. I collided with a stationary truck coming the other way. The guy was all over the road. I had to swerve a number of times before I hit him. The other car collided with mine without giving warning of its intention. My car was legally parked as it backed into another vehicle. An invisible car came out of nowhere, struck my car, and vanished. Who is on trial? The stationary truck coming the other way? The car that didn't give a warning signal about the collision? The vehicle with the cloaking device? It may seem odd to have a gospel passage about Jesus' trial at this time of year because it's part of the passion narrative that leads toward Jesus' crucifixion. On this last Sunday in the church, Christian church year, though we are attentive to Christ as the sovereign ruler of our earthly kingdom. So when Jesus and Pilate have this encounter, it appears that Jesus is on trial, but we have to wonder, is he the one who is on trial? Pilate appears to have the power. The Roman army has his back. But Jesus' questions make us raise our eyebrows and ask, who is judging whom? One day, as a young mother and her kindergarten-aged son were running errands, the little boy asked, Mommy, why do the idiots only come out when Daddy drives? (laughs) Who is judging whom? When we critique others for the way they handle their jobs, their relationships, parenting, their involvement in church, might we turn our eyes 180 degrees to see our own shortcomings? No. Why would we want to do that? It's much easier to put others on trial than it is to examine ourselves, our motives, and our faults. So maybe we can't blame Pilate too much. The religious leaders had been offended by Jesus' words and actions, and so they take him to Pilate, the local Roman authority, Pilate receives Jesus and asks him, unbidden, are you the king of the Jews? Now at this time, Caesar was the ruler over everyone, so to call one, oneself a king could be seen as treacherous, treasonous. Jesus, the apparent defendant, responds not with a definitive yes or no, a definitive guilty or not guilty, rarely does he do that, But he responds with a question, which he often does. Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? See how the tables turned? Jesus is delving into Pilate's own sensibility about who Jesus is. What do you think, Pilate? Would something be different in your life if I am the king of the Jews? Pilate replies defensively, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus evades Pilate's question again and answers with this statement, My kingdom is not from this world. 
If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. The kingdom of this world is a kingdom of violence. If Jesus' followers had responded with violence, their insurrection would be a cause for detainment. Instead, they, how did they respond to Jesus' arrest? What did they do? Remember? What? Scattered. They ran away. And a survey of a few websites, it, it appears that at least 30 countries around the world are engaged in some sort of war or conflict. That's not as bad as it was in the early 90s. It was around 50 then. And is it human nature to be in conflict? My mom says babies come out of the womb as wild animals, and it's the job of the adults to tame and domesticate them. If you've had a typical little boy in your family, they start out violent. How do they know what guns are when they've never seen them? I don't understand. But, and some girls, same way. But as we mature, at least in our Western culture, we begin to realize that life is more enjoyable when it's peaceful not in perpetual conflict. Conflict creates anxiety, fear, and other emotions that make life shorter and more painful. On the other hand, peace can create feelings of safety, comfort, strength, and hope. The challenge is that peace takes more work and planning than conflict. A family story I recently heard again was about one relative who remarried after his first wife died. The night of their honeymoon, they argued about who was going to sleep on which side of the bed, and they argued about multiple things the rest of their life together. Harmony takes more work than conflict. When we are tempted to react defensively or offensively, it takes time and energy to stop, to reflect on how we want to respond. It also takes forgiveness to be able to talk through those times when we do react out of anger and fear and hurt to be able to reconcile and move forward. Is your response to conflict what you want it to be? That's one of the questions of our text. Jesus said to Pilate, as it is, my kingdom is not from here. And Pilate responds, so you are a king? Jesus answers, you say that I am a king. For this I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. And Pilate's response in the last sentence of this section is, what is truth? What is truth? I wonder how he said that. Did he say it like, what is truth? Or did he say, what is truth? We ask the same question. Is it in a theory about God called process theology One of Alfred North Whitehead's truth tenets is this. 
It is as true to say that God creates the world as that the world creates God. And he has some other paradoxical truth tenets. This was the one I could most easily understand. But is that true for you? What is truth? In accounting, when you give away four out of ten apples, it is true that you have fewer apples. But in spiritual truth, if you give away 40 minutes of your time to someone who needs it, you gain energy and hope and peace and joy. How does that work? Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. We find so many paradoxes. John's gospel quotes Jesus as saying, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Aldous Huxley said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you mad. Or according to someone else, tell the boss what you really think and the truth shall set you free. So what is truth? Charles Swindoll once told of a time in graduate school when he was overzealous with an answer to the professor's question, and the professor let him talk out his answer and continue until his position became weaker and weaker. And in Swindoll's words, the professor stared right through me, frowned, and then replied, Mr. Swindoll, if you continue any further out on that limb, I'm going to saw you off with a hard set of facts. I think God's truth has less to do with facts and more to do with behavior. For instance, do we live as if Jesus is our king? Or do we live as if we are our own kings? According to Alcoholics Anonymous, an alcoholic who wants to stop drinking has to arrive at the conclusion that he or she is not the highest power. AA literature notes that numerous alcoholics, when they first turn to AA, have definite reservations about accepting any concept of a power greater than themselves. Well, that's not just a challenge for alcoholics. It's a challenge for all of us to want to cede control of ourselves to another being. Think of the various communities in which you participate. Church is one. Others might be your family, your neighborhood, your office mates, your volunteer organizations. And think about how things might be different if everyone there had the community in mind instead of just the individual. The Mediterranean mindset at the time, Bruce Molina reminds us, was a community mindset. Everything about the individual was ceded to what was appropriate in and for the community. So what would happen in our government if our leaders were to decide to put the community first instead of the desire to get reelected? And this was part of Pilate's challenge. He wanted to maintain control. He wanted to be reelected. So he was trapped between trying to please a large number of his constituents and doing what was right. 
Can we blame him for wanting to maintain control? That was his job. And we can't help but feel that that's a bullet point in our job descriptions as humans. Maintain control at all times. And that's why we need the truth to set us free. We need the truth like John heard and saw in his vision we know as the book of Revelation. We need the truth that Jesus is the most faithful witness and is therefore worth emulating. We need the truth that Jesus Christ loves us and freed us from our sins. We need the truth that God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and we are not. We need the truth that God, the one who is and who was and who is to come, is the Almighty. And along with those, we need a community of faith to help remind us that Jesus is our King and our holy center. And we need each other to help us remember to not stuff this good news inside our hearts and our brains, but to share it. So many people are looking for freedom, and they think they'll find it in alcohol or drugs. People are looking for freedom, and they think they'll find it in rising to a place of power or wealth. People are looking for freedom, and they think they'll find it by breaking ties with people who love them. But God already has provided the truth to set us free. Jesus said, my kingdom is not from this world. I was, for this I was born, for this I came to the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Listen to the voice of the king. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice, he says. Listen, not just to your individual voice, not only to the voice of the media, not only to the voice of the church. Listen with your eyes wide open and your ears wide open to the voice of the king. Let's pray together. We'll start with a moment of silence. Listen. We thank you, Lord God, for your still, small voice. And if we haven't heard it now, help us to not give up, but to keep listening for you. We pray in the name of our Lord and King, Jesus Christ. Amen.